Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Welcome in to our fourth and final week in this spiritual gifts equipping series. And if you missed any or all the previous three weeks and or if you're like, man, I'd love to actually listen to one or all of them again, you can email uh, bbmens at seccc.org and we'll give you access to all those. We're not trying to make these a secret to anybody. So. Um, on session two, if you were here or weren't here, but you didn't do the homework, I really want to encourage all of us um, to take that spiritual gift test. Even if you're like, man, I know what my spiritual gift is. It's a great way to affirm or, or tighten up um, on that gifting. Or perhaps uh, you're like you discover a new gifting. And so that's really, really helpful because... When I ask guys um, what their spiritual gift is, a lot of times the answer I hear is what they do for a living. Sometimes that is out of a spiritual gifting. Other times it's just a skill that you learned at college or in in trained skills. So it's really important for us to learn that. Um, For Dads Only is a four-week intentional ongoing dad conversation that begins in two Thursdays. Um, in this very room, in this in the same space and time, Ken Eidelman and Ken Evans are going to be uh, tag team heading that up. It's going to be well worth it. If you are a dad at any stage of parenting, whether in diapers uh, that your kids, if uh, or whether your kids are out of the house, it doesn't matter. This is really going to be a helpful equipping. Um, intentional conversation. And then one last thing, we have a freedom appointment that's going to be at the end of June. There's information I think up there, or you can find that out. And it's going to be four hours of time that you're going to be glad you invested in it. So that being said, let me pray and we're going to jump right in this morning. Father, I praise you for these men. Um, Lord, I thank you for the gift of time together. I thank you for all of the different spiritual gifts that through your grace you have are entrusting us in this room with and the diversity of gifting. Father, I pray that you would send every one of us out of here this morning equipped and crystal clear on not just what our gift is, but, but how you are asking us to use it. Um, I pray that you would show us how to be faithful, not busy, how you would show us how to use our gifting to dive in on making disciples who make disciples. And so thank you for the privilege it is to gather in your name, and we give you the glory for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Fellas, we are striving to create a disciple-making culture around here where every man, not just some men or most men, where every man becomes a disciple-maker. A disciple-maker is a man who has been transformed by the gospel and he shares his life and disciples another man who in turn shares and disciples another, not just man, people. Um, And that is the power of multiplication. Identifying your spiritual gift and being faithful to use your spiritual gift to serve others in Jesus' name is critical. It's not just helpful, it's critical in unleashing the full force of this church one man at a time. That is our mission. It's not the partial force or even some force or most force. It's the full force of the church. That means all in. It's an all skate, fellas. And during session one, Sam Reader focused on Ephesians 4, which is all about equipping, about raising up, not just education or knowledge. And so here's our, 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 here's our why on focusing on equipping, not just um, teaching. Equipping, another way to think of equipping is mending your nets so that you can fish for men. 
that's, that's why we're gathering these past four, four weeks. It's not just so we can learn something new. It's, it's about mending our nets, which our nets, my nets get gets holes in it all the time. That's why it needs constantly mending, sharpened, needs evaluated so that I can fish more effectively, most effectively for men. And to be reminded, us gathering, to be reminded, like that's, that's what we're doing. We're mending our nets so we can fish for men. Last week, Chris shared that to make a single weekend worship experience happen here at this campus alone, not all of our campuses, at this campus alone, it takes 1,275 volunteers to make one of our th- all three of our weekend worship services happen. That's not even talking about something like this or things that happen in sports and fitness. That, that's just to make... The weekend worship services happen. That's a whole mega church of volunteers to make it happen. Now, as mind-boggling as that that can be, and we could share that number in in our flesh with a mic drop kind of mentality as, as if God is so proud of us for this big gigantic number. But the problem with that is that Luke 12, 48 is true and it says from everyone who has been given much 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 will be demanded and from the one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked we are averaging at this campus roughly 8000 people collectively in all three of those weekend worship services at Blankenbaker and in a in the church world there's this principle called the 8020 and what it stands for is the fact that 80% of all serving comes from typically 20% of the people who are calling um, their church their church. Want to know what percent 1,275 volunteers with 8,000 people average equates to? 15.9%. Now, I don't share that number to guilt anyone or any of us. Instead, imagine with me if 80% instead of 20%, which, you know, I'm good with 20% because that's how many at least um, unchurched, unsaved people should be, be coming in here. So we shouldn't expect somebody who doesn't even believe this stuff yet to be engaged in, in, in helping it happen. But imagine if 80% of Southeast members stopped consuming and began to engage in living out their spiritual gifting to serve others in Jesus' name. Imagine that. Like, this is not just some pipe dream that, man, that'd be awesome if that magically happened. This is required to move the needle from unleashing partial force of the church, where 20% of the people are focusing on that, to the full force of the church one man at a time, one person at a time. This is exciting to me to think about um, the fact that we have barely scratched the surface on this here. It's why I love two of our men's, I love all four of our men's values, but why two of them in particular come to surface on this subject because they focus on movement. One uh, value is taking your next step of faith. And the second one is developing a heart to invest in others. Those both have to do with unleashing the full force of the church. And today's focus is all about living out this mission that God's calling us to engage in. We're focusing on unleashing the gifts. And if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can turn with me to 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. Five verses this morning we're focusing on. Back in early January, our family listed our house on VRBO to rent it out for Durkin. And it, it rented out really quickly. Uh, it, it booked out really quickly, I should say. And, and so I made this, this monster master punch list of things that from early January till May 5th at 5 p.m. needed to happen in order for these eight guests to come into our house and, and leave a great review, essentially. It's a lot of work. It's like getting your house ready uh, to sell and then some. So uh, I figured I would... I would take Friday, part of Fridays, each Friday um, from January through, through April, and I'd take two to three hours a day, a, a Friday, and I'd just start knocking out these projects on this monster punch list. And I started off um, fairly strong. I knocked out a couple here and there, but, 
But on Fridays, life seemed to keep getting in the way. And I kept getting distracted with, um, with, with life. But things like, uh, things like touch-up paint, cleaning the carpets, mulching the landscape, decluttering rooms. I mean, th- the list got pretty big pretty quick. And I started knocking out a few, few projects here and there on Fridays. But like I said, um, life kept getting in the way. And fast forward to May 4th, I now have one and a half days um, to knock out a whole lot of things that I was hoping had already been knocked out by May 4th, but here we find ourselves they hadn't been, and they quite honestly needed to be finished. And so I used two vacation days, and I started getting after it. May 4th was packed full of items, um, literally from, from sun up to sundown. That night I touched base with uh, my point guy on, on the, the Derby Rental to uh, confirm their arrival time. He's like, yeah, I'm getting in. My flight gets in at 3.30. I got to pick up rental car. I'll definitely be at your house by 5 o'clock. I'm like, awesome. Confirm that. I got up early on May 5th and I continued knocking these items out. If you're keeping track, back in January, my focus, my efficiency, and my sense of urgency um, regarding this, this punch list was probably around 60%. It was, you know, it was, it was significant, but it, it was not um, completely all in. Well, then on uh, May 4th, it jumped up to 90%. I mean, I was, I was focused. And then on May 5th, from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m., it bumped up to 95%. And fellas, let me tell you something. At 12 o'clock, when I still looked at everything that was left to do, and my wife and kids were at school, um, it bumped up from 12 to 4.45 p.m. to 100%. Full disclosure, I was exhausted, but that, like I, didn't, I wasn't allowed to be exhausted. I had stuff to do. And so around 3.30, I was literally, with our vacuum in hand, I was literally vacuuming rooms, jogging. Um, that's how efficient I was. I don't know if it was picking up dirt, but I, I was moving. Um, I was washing windows and mirrors um, so efficiently it made Karate Kid look lazy. I mean, I was tired, really tired by, by noon, but that didn't slow me down. In fact, I sped up. Do you know why? Because the end of all things as it related to making sure our house was ready for these eight guests who were flying in to rent our house was immaculately clean and ready. And the end of all those things was near. When you know the end of something that matters is near, it creates a sense of urgency and lethal focus. And this morning we're going to dive into that. 1 Peter 4, 7-11, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says this, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Every one of these bullet points... In these five verses, they're true, and they're right, and they're good. But at first glance, but through those five verses, they can seem completely random and compartmentalized, or at least they can to me. End is near, clear-minded, self-controlled, pray, love deeply, offer hospitality, use your gift to serve others, administer God's grace, Speak words of God, serve with his strength, praise God. I mean, these things are all good and, and right and true, but they can seem random, don't they? they kind of, it's like, kind of seems like just spraying all over the place. But one thing that is true about God and his word is that God is not the God of random and compartmentalization. Instead, we know, according to Romans eight twenty eight, that we know that in all things... God works 
for the good of those who love him according to his purposes. In other words, all things work for it, it all works together. And so I want to jump back or step back to verse 7. I want to break these verses down. The end of all things therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Peter starts off right here. The end of all things is near to create high-intensity, laser focus, lethal focus. Like, hey, this is, like, pay attention. Like, let me remind you guys what matters. And then he says, therefore, be, because the end of all God's economy, be clear-minded and self-controlled. In other words, it's time to declutter all forms of busyness in your life and in your calendar and get laser-focused with great sense of urgency on what matters most. There's a lot of things that matter in life, but he says, let's focus on what matters most, our non-negotiable as Christ followers. Someone once said an unevaluated life is a life not worth living. And when I let the grind pressures of my life, raising three kiddos, when I allow that to get me out of my rhythm of what matters the most, stop being clear-minded. And when I stop being clear-minded, I can quickly lose sight on the reality that the end of all things is near in God's economy and for eternity purposes, and that my primary purpose for being here is to make Jesus known and to make disciples who make disciples. It's not simply to provide for every desire for my family, and it's definitely not to allow other people's convictions to become my convictions. For me to be clear-minded, I have to be self-controlled. Why? So that I can practice Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Without prioritizing prayer in my daily life, the rhythm of life, which is talking and listening to God, I'm just spinning and grinding. And the same is true of you. A necessary non-negotiable ingredient in pursuing um, being clear-minded and self-controlled is allowing no to be a complete sentence. In fact, let's practice that. One, two, three. No, I don't that feel good. And maybe for, maybe for some of us people-pleasers, it feels weird. It feels like we just did something wrong. Let it be a complete sentence. Um, even when asked by people you love and who mean a lot to you, because in order to sustain being clear-minded, you need to be refreshed. What God most needs from every single one of us men is a refreshed you, not a worn-out you. This requires being relentlessly self-controlled so we can be clear-minded and pray for God's guidance. Being faithful with your spiritual gift requires you to have great sense of urgency because the end of all things is near. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Peter is instructing us to love each other deeply. So the question um, is, what does it mean to love each other deeply? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine gives us the best insight to this. It's also known as the second greatest commandment. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that, that kind of is like, doesn't need explained very much, does it? In other words, pursue loving those around you um, and within your sphere of influence the way that you want to be loved. Right? That's not confusing. You know how um, love encourages you. When you're loved in, in godly biblical ways, it, it builds you up. Loving each other deeply is a byproduct of pursuing loving Jesus wholeheartedly as Lord. Because that's when the fruits of the Spirit will overflow out of our hearts and into the lives of others. As Galatians 5.25 references, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. There's that word again. Loving each other deeply 
is a verb. It's, it's active. It, it's costly. It's costly of our time and our finances. Jesus calls us to be marked as distinctly different um, than the world. If we model to the world what unconditional love and loving each other deeply looks like, the world will take notice. And it will actually draw people to want to know what it is about us that we have that they don't. And in doing so, it's going to point people to Jesus, and in turn, he's going to be glorified. Imagine a neighbor of yours coming into a saving, personal relationship with Jesus because he or she watched how you are loving those around you, including them. Imagine that being part of their story towards Jesus' redemptive power. Loving deeply is what Jesus modeled, and, it, and it's what ultimately... All things is near, so be clear-minded and self-controlled. Love each other deeply. Next, Peter instructs us to, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He throws those last two words in there. They can be annoying. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It, hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. That's the definition. A few weekends ago, Memorial Day weekend, we invited our good friends um, up from Nashville to spend um, the weekend with us. And before they were to arrive, um, we did a whole bunch of stuff to prepare for them so that um, they were refreshed and had a refreshing time and that um, things were in order for them. Before they arrived, we, we cleaned the house. We uh, made sure that they had fresh um, towels and clean sheets on their beds. We bought food and drinks, um, including s'more supplies. We prepared firewood so that while they were there, um, we could do a fire pit and make s'mores one of the nights. We cleaned our pool. We put proper chemicals into the pool um, so that their skin didn't turn green. And we, we turned our pool heater on and up so that our guests could swim in a comfortable um, temperature. We put their wet towels um, into the dryer so that when we decided to swim again, um, their towels weren't cold. They were dry. We prepared and fed them dinner, breakfast, and lunch. And uh, we, we, we took turns, Tish and I, giving them um, the special plate, which in our house that means um, that we all pray for that person before they eat, and then they get to go first and that they don't have to clean up after themselves. We turned the air conditioning down lower than normal um, so that they were comfortable both while they were in our house awake and even at night when they were sleeping. We, we served ice drinks. Um, we watched for when their cups were, were empty or low around the pool, and, and we took turns getting up and getting water and soda refills and more nugget ice. We had snacks available and out the entire weekend. We played music on Spotify that they like. Um, actually, not initially. We were playing country music and learned they don't like that, so we, we switched to that But because we were listening. We did all of this until they left um, to head back to Nashville Monday evening, and then we cleaned the kitchen. We took the trash out. Um, we changed bed linens, and we got our house back together again. Now, why I share all of that is so that you leave here going, man, Ronnie is awesome. And you would be right, at least, at least in my own mind. No, I share that because Peter instructs us to offer hospitality for the gospel purposes. And I'm, I want to share a few facts about us offering hospitality to our friends because the principles transfer to you. It costs us time. It costs us money groceries, turning the AC down, turning the pool heater up. It cost us energy. We, we had an absolute blast with our friends, and we're grateful for the time. After they left, like, like we were tired. It was good tired, but we were tired um, from, from being hospitable the whole weekend. 
Now I want to ask you, how crazy would it have been for us to have done all of these things that I have listed, but grumbling before, during, and after doing them? I mean, how crazy would that have been? Or would that sound? When our friends said, man, your house looks great. For me to respond, well, it should. We spent all afternoon cleaning it for you. Or um, when our friends said, man, we love your pool. And the water feels great for me to respond, well, I'm glad you're comfortable because when we get our next LG&E bill, it's going to be a doozy. Or when... Um, when they left for Tish and me to complain, to grumble about the time that it cost us, the money it cost us, and the energy it cost us. So that would be laughably ridiculous, wouldn't it? The right posture, according to verses 8 and 9 here, is to offer hospitality with, with a deeply loving and grateful heart. It's, in other words, having the posture, God, thank you for giving us friends who actually want to spend time with us on a weekend uh, that's a holiday weekend. God, thank you for giving us the gift of time with our friends. God, thank you for a grocery store that's less than five minutes away from our house to go get groceries. God, thank you for blessing us with the finance to, finances to celebrate your goodness with our friends all weekend. Thank you for blessing us with a nice house that has enough room and beds for all of us to sleep on. And, in. and God, thank you for blessing us with AC that works this summer. God, thank you for blessing us with a pool and a pool heater that can raise the temperature as desired. Like, that's the right type of lens to see the blessings um, instead of the... You have never complained about going to the cross so that I can experience his eternal hospitality in heaven. So why in the world would I choose to grumble while offering hospitality? I believe our number one ministry tool, fellas, is our home, house, apartment, whatever it is. I believe our friend Dan Spader. I went out to eat with people's awesome. But it's different. That kind of fixer. Um, and I was just thinking about this yesterday. We and the, the doors were on back order, so we lived in our house about six weeks with no doors. Um, we had about 25 people over during that six-week period. Um, we got these spring-loaded curtain rods and hung curtains as makeshift doors over our restroom. Some of you that were in our house knew, like, yeah, uh, definitely didn't want to go to Taco Bell before coming to our house. Um, but I was thinking about it. I was like, man, if we waited to offer hospitality until our house was, was ready, it would have probably, we'd probably still be waiting to have people over because there's still projects left to be done. Hospitality and grumbling are antonyms. They undo each other. I'm grateful for Peter's reminder about without grumbling because I can get worn out um, being the one who initiates hospitality oftentimes throughout the year if I lose my focus on why we're doing it. The end of all things is near. Be clear-minded and self-controlled. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Next, Peter instructs us. Each one should use whatever gift. And Peter is saying, get in the fight. The church is made for this moment. As stewards, we are being held accountable for what we are doing with our spiritual gift. Dr. Christopher Barton, Barton said this. He said, be faithful to your gifts and God will use you. Be faithful to your gifts and God will Powerful verse, an important verse. Your spiritual gift is just that. It is a gift from God that you have received. You didn't go to school and earn a degree to possess this gift. 
or these gifts. Instead, when you placed your trust in Jesus as Savior, um, Jesus gave by his grace at least one gift, not to serve yourself, but to serve others. I love something Ben Cross said during the session. We said if you're in an outcome besides making People notice you more than Jesus, but they're not right. I believe that is why Peter is very specific here in verse 10. That Peter doesn't stop with one should use whatever it is. I believe he knew that we're all capable of taking our spiritual gift trying to make it about serving ourselves somehow because that's what people with selfish, sinful nature do. We try to make it about us. I think he knew that we're capable of that instead of using it to serve other people. At the end of the day, this is mainly about and my attitude and my motive with exercising this gift. For instance, if I use this gift to be but if I use this gift to feed my own ego or to get affirmation for myself, then I'm abusing my gift. Now, how do you know the difference? You probably don't. It's all about my attitude, my posture, and my motive. And only I know that. And God. The end of all. Minded and self-controlled. Love each other deeply. All As one speaking the very words of God, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God prays through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. These five verses are all focused on serving others and being faithful stewards. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. Fellas, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him receiving maximum glory and praise through our lives. At this time, I'm going to ask um, Eddie Phillips, Chad Russell, and Hunter Sin to join me up on stage. Uh, we're going to do a panel here for a few minutes. I'm going to ask you guys to welcome them to, to the stage. You guys want to grab a mic here? Just grab a, and a water, too. All right. All right, grab a seat. Yeah, I'll sit right here. That's fine. All right, so guys, uh, these are three fellas who are all Christ followers. We got that going. And I'm going to ask, uh, starting with Chad, how did you come to accept Jesus as your Savior, and how long have you been a Christ follower? Uh, let's see. I was 27 years old when I had committed my life to being a hedonist. I was going to do anything I wanted to do with anybody I wanted to do it with. And after a year of living like that, I woke up after a night of hedonism, drunk and in bed, looked out the window, and I felt the conviction of the sinful life that was leading to destruction. And nobody had to explain that to me. It was the Holy Spirit for the very first time in my life. Seven months later, after Billy Graham, Mike Rowe, two Dave Stone sermons I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 28 years old in 2001. Okay, awesome. Eddie, how about you? So for me, my my testimony is not as um, dramatic as you say, as, as Chad's. I'm really, I mean, just, it was, for me, I grew up, I had a kind of a little bit of a rough childhood with my uh, being a, a child of a single parent. 
Um, and so it, it was kind of, when I was 12 years old, I asked my uncle, who was a Baptist minister, but uh, and looking back on that time, it was it had to be the Holy Spirit to to ask that question at, at 12. I mean, I just and he explained it to me, and I told him, man, I, you know, I want to be baptized. Um, I just felt that, I mean, you know, God just called me at an early age, um, and and I think looking back on it. It was uh, the difficulties that I saw, father being in and out of the home, a struggling mother, uh, difficult uh, half sister who 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 at the time we lived together, and um, and that's what it was for me. Okay, thank you, Hunter. What about you, man? Yeah, you're good. Um, mine was actually just of last month was my three year anniversary of my baptism. So compared to the gentleman up here, I'm relatively new in the faith, certainly young on my journey, but to be honest, man, the biggest impact on my life and when I decided, decided to commit my life to Christ was when I surrounded myself with godly men. It's like men in this room here today. I walked into this room for the first time and I not that I have it all figured out today because I certainly don't, but I had the opportunity and the blessing to sit at Chris Berg's table for a couple semesters of Man Challenge. I mean, I was taken aback by what was happening on stage, what was happening during table time. Actually, Terrence was speaking week one. And for you guys that know Terrence, very inspirational speaker. And I was just kind of blown away as to, to what was happening in this place and something I hadn't experienced before. And so many other guys I could call out, like guys like Eric Wood, watching him from afar, interacting with Ronnie. My, I put godly men in my life and some mentors in my life that radically shifted my life for the better. So essentially you would say you saw something in some of these guys that you're like, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I want that. Yeah. So something different's going on over here. That it's not even okay. All right, Chad, what, uh, what is or are your spiritual gifts? And the second part to that is how did you come to understand what your spiritual gifting is? Um, I would say the two are encouragement and teaching. Um, and how I came about that was my first three years of walking with Jesus, I had two men disciple me the first three years. Uh, Cecil McGee's passed away and Kurt Souter. And those guys were saying things to me, I think through the Holy Spirit, of things they saw in me that did not exist prior to Jesus. You don't have, the spiritual gifts are because of the Holy Spirit. And I did not have the gift of, if you knew me before Jesus, you would not go, that's an encouraging man. <laughs> You would also not say he can teach. I had no gifting, talent-wise, right? Difference between talent and gifting. I had no talent of teaching. But all of a sudden, Cecil and, and Kurt, in fact, Kurt, in the foyer of church, after we had been together for a couple of years, he looked at me and goes, I think you could really teach well. Hmm. And I thought, that's, I didn't know what, what do you mean? And I just felt the Lord's going, yes. So, uh, so yeah, so encouragement and teaching are the two things that I would say I can take tests that I have over the years, and they, those two things rise up to the top. But as far as how I really started to, to see those, I had men who loved me, who were spirit-filled men, who loved me, prayed with me. They saw things in me that I did not see in myself. Hmm. That's awesome. Eddie, what would you say? I would say for me, it's uh, writing. I think the Lord has uh, given me a gift to, to articulate words in written form uh, and speaking too. Uh, very targeted though, very targeted. Uh, I kind of identified that early on, uh, say around 20 years of age really. Uh, and just, it, it's a way to, it's kind of like, you know, if you, have a, if you have a comedian, right? A comedian will say something that you and I have said, but but for that person, it's it makes everybody laugh because that's their gift. You and I can say the same exact thing, but it, it doesn't resonate like that. Uh, and it's the same way with me with the writing gift and, and the speaking. It's kind of the Lord will kind of stir my spirit to to say something to a guy in a way that is customized for him, it's customized for her. Um, and, and it's also it's kind of a two-edged sword, too, because the, I think the Lord kind of uses me to address some spiritual threats 
in the lives of people that he sends into my life. And that can, that can create sort of a rub. So like if, if, we, if you and I meet and we start walking together and you think, oh man, you know, man, Eddie's my boy, man, you know, after a while, we might have a rub with each other. And you'll start to say, well, man, what's, what's going on with that? It's because God has used, you know, he's put you in my life for a reason. And he's allowed me to kind of draw close to you and see something that he wants to surgically deal with. At the same time, he deals with me too. So the writing and the speaking with a targeted focus, I would say, would be the thing that I identify the most. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I don't know about you, man. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback kind of what Chad said um, in the vein of encouragement, man. In, in my walk of life, I get to interact with a lot of dudes in between the 20s and 30s. And inevitably, the conversation kind of goes to where, you know, they just got out of college, may have fell away from the faith a little bit. They just invested in their first full-time job, working 40 hours a week, et cetera. And that question always arises of, hey, man, there's got to be more out there. There's just got to be more to life. And I have the blessing and opportunity to be a part of that intersection moment, that intersection conversation quite a bit. And it's in those moments, man, I'm just supposed to be an encourager. I'm not there to, to teach in that particular moment. I'm there to put my arm around a dude, give him a uplifting message and say, hey, man, I've been through it. I'm going through it. Let's link arms. Let's get through this together. Come on. We meet Thursday mornings. Let's figure it out together. So and that can come in a, a simple a hug, an uplifting word, a quick prayer, a quick text, whatever it may be, man. Just letting other men and letting other individuals know they're not in this alone. You don't have to be, you know, the macho man that has it figured out all the time just to link arms with brothers. And real quick to the second part of your question, how I came to recognize that. I'm glad you asked that because I would not have said that two years ago if you would have asked me that question. I came to understand that gift when I started to use it in service for others. So the gift didn't manifest itself. And so I actually gave it away. And I know that can actually sound counterintuitive, but our, our gifts don't become spiritual gifts until we use them in service for others. So um, a great lesson for me, once I started getting involved, that's when the gifts start to manifest themselves. I'm glad you pointed that out. It's good. Yes, sir. I wanted to add something too. I'm glad you said that, man, because I think with, with the way your gifts, the way you identify your gift is often through pain. God will use that. And I think for me, with the writing, it was uh, it was therapeutic at first. And so it's like, okay, I've got these things going on. How do I how do I make sense of all this? And when, and when the pen started to hit the paper, you know, and it's like, oh wow, this is helping me. But the Lord wants to use this to help others. So the pain was a start too. It's good. So the next question I got for you guys is how long? I'll start with Chad. How long were you a Christ follower before you started um, serving in your gifting? I would say the encouragement is something that, you know, you don't have to have a long resume to be encouraging, right? I mean, the Lord gets a hold of you, and you can be encouraging to anybody wherever you are. So you don't have to have a lot of experience encouraging. Uh, but so that was early on. Teaching was a little bit a few years in, you know. You, you don't turn a new believer loose too soon to teach people depending on the, the context. You can teach somebody who doesn't know Jesus. If you've known Jesus for six months, you can teach that person hmm. because you're six months down the road. But this context is a little bit different depending on if it's a group. Uh, so I, I would say a few years in is when, when Kurt said, hey, you should start teaching. The, he was the men's minister at the time. So uh, it was a few years in before I started doing some formal teaching. But then I realized years in, you don't have to have a classroom at a certain day and time to be teaching. Teaching is, I got six kids at home who we're teaching. I got some brothers who I love who I'm teaching. I got somebody who's standing in front of me any point, one-on-one -on -one at lunch, who I could be teaching. But I would say really started to use that gift knowing that, okay, there's something to be communicated here. I'd say a few years in of, okay. of uh, following the Lord. And Eddie, what about you? I would say for me it was really uh, you know I, I when i came to christ at 12 i didn't really start that discipleship journey until really right after high school okay. uh right before college and uh and so you know that's when i started to identify some of those things and went through a rough time um getting going after high school um and had a, a difficult relationship that that didn't work out for me and, and it caused a lot of pain there and so I just, I just started to really kind of form into what God wanted me to be 
um, after high school, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And Hunter, you've been walking with Lord for three years, so don't say four years ago I started <laughs> no, I doing that. What, what would you say? That was <laughs> um, probably, to Ronnie's point, uh, probably two years ago. So, I, I mean, I jumped in probably relatively quick, um, and the first kind of step I took was leading a man challenge table. Um, but I think it's important to call it kind of my mindset at that time. I certainly didn't approach it as, hey, I'm an individual that has it all figured out because I didn't then and I don't now. Um, and it wasn't corralling guys and saying, you know, look at me, I want to teach you, I want to show you the way. You know, that wasn't my calling. That's other people's callings, and obviously that's great for them. But for me, in my perspective, again, it was just encouragement. It was saying, you know, hey, man, they're doing something different over here. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but I want to be a part of it. I'd love for you to be a part of it with me. Let's link arms and let's go figure this thing out together. So it was just taking the courage to take that next step of faith and just understanding my mindset of, hey, I didn't have it perfected. I still don't, but we can figure this thing out together and, and do it as brothers in Christ. Mm. That's good. Um, Chad, how are you currently using your gifting to serve and make disciples? So uh, as far as the, 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 you know, encouragement is just part of, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I need to find somebody to encourage, right? That's just ongoing. Um, I will say that uh, your gifts are given not to use on Sunday only. It's Monday through Saturday as well. Not in addition to, but specifically on Sundays, uh, I teach a room full of kindergartners, which uh, that's challenging <laughs> to do. Uh, but I have found that, you know, if you're going to be planting seeds in these kids and I'll see little kids come up and say, hey, Mr. Chad and all that, I'm like, you plant seeds wherever they are. If you want to get the next generation, you start young. Uh, so I've been, my wife and I, we really started, kind of met, sort of, uh, and went through children's ministry for 20 years now. I've been in children's ministry in some capacity on and off for a very short period of time, basically for 20 years. Um, so kids, uh, we're teaching formally there. Um, I have a discipleship group that, you know, of, of grown men who are sometimes like kids. Uh, but uh, we, we love one another, and that is just we're doing life with them. So, and I don't, that's not really a teaching component in the format of our group. Uh, we don't have a teacher so much, but outside of that, we just teach one another. Mm. So I'd say on Sundays, it's it's in a room full of kindergartners, but Monday through Saturday, it's whoever's sitting in front of me, but specifically a group of guys who were teaching one another. And my six sons at home, my wife and I are, you don't have, everybody in here has to have the spiritual gift of teaching if you've got kids, mm. right? And one other thing I'll say, no man in this room should say the words, I don't have the spiritual gift of because the Holy Spirit can give you that gift when he wants, how he wants, as often as he wants. So how did Kyle respond when you told him that you have the gift of teaching and it's time to step aside? He does not know that. He doesn't know that. Okay. And that's OK. <laughs> no. I tell you, uh, joking aside, I love like you teaching kindergarten kids is just as significant as Kyle teaching um on weekend services and that's one of the important things about gifts is is it's to serve others it's not to be real selective on that so uh, eddie what would you say uh, so for me uh there's an irony in the way god is using me now early on i identified that i wanted to redeem family looking at uh the failures of relationships and marriage in my in my family and and i didn't and later on saying, okay, that's a generational curse. Divorce is a generational curse. And having, being a divorced man myself, it's like, okay, so now I got this mark on me, this stripe. And yet God has used me in recent years to encourage men who are struggling in their marriages and encourage men who are struggling in their, uh, in their ability to, to, uh, to keep their families together. And I'm like, Lord, you know, you're using me in a powerful way, and yet I'm walking around with this handicap of divorce, this, this mark. And God is like, man, this is how I'm doing it with you. So that's what's going on right now, man, whether it's uh, men in my, in my personal group, family, I mean, friends of mine, 
and I found that I've been able to say some things to guys and encourage some dudes in some areas of their relationships and they're like man Eddie you know I really appreciate that and I'm like man I, I, this is what I learned man this is this is uh this is what I've come out of the fire with hmm. so uh so that's what's that's what's been happening lately man a lot that's awesome Hunter what about you yeah, uh, mine's predominantly through Man Challenge Thursday mornings. Uh, we have a table, and then on top of that, Ronnie and I are co-leading our second trip to the DR via Go Ministries actually this October. So I know a couple of you guys out here are going on that. Super excited for that trip. Um, but I've just learned kind of encouragement for myself and all of us, man. The gifts we've been given aren't meant to be a blessing for ourselves. I like what you said earlier. It's not for your ego to feed yourself. It's a It's a gift we've been given to bless other people. I like what... Sam Reader said week one when he talked about his dad's tackle box had everything he needed inside of it. Man, there's somebody out there walking around that needs that gift that you possess. So just encouragement to us all, including myself, develop the gifts you've been given and go out there and be deployed in whatever fashion or capacity that may be. Mm. And Chad, what advice would you give to a guy who's hearing, hearing this in this room or, or via video who is not currently or maybe ever been engaged uh, with using their spiritual gift to serve others what would you say to that guy to encourage him i think what i would say is the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit cannot happen outside of the holy spirit and you cannot have those fruit and gifts if you don't have the holy spirit but more importantly if the holy spirit does not have you and you cannot be had by the holy spirit outside of being a man of prayer how do we get to the point of being owned by the holy spirit and being filled with him you're not going to do it with a five minute prayer life now i say that i have my moments where i have my seven or eight minutes i got to get out the door lord help me this kind of day prayer i get it i don't spend three hours a day in prayer but the men of god who i have seen in scripture and in life they don't take their time with Jesus lightly. So I would encourage, challenge, that we would say, okay, for me to have a lot of fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, I've got to be available to the Holy Spirit and being in prayer, being with other men, being in the Word, that is a non-negotiable. And so we've been called to do that. And I would just say, whatever your vehicle is, man challenge, three-thirds, home groups, whatever it is, Get in one and go. Let's go. And uh, I appreciate every guy who's here today. Thank you guys for being here. It shows me something about you. For those who can't be here, it's all right. I know that a lot of guys come and go, but do something. Eddie, what would you say? I, I would say to every man here, you have an obligation. You have an obligation uh, to use what you've been given. And you are not insignificant in any way. Um, don't compare yourself to anybody. Identify those unique parts of your life, your personality, what you've been through, your scars, your stripes, your successes, everything, every single thing about you um, has a, this landscape that God has for us, this kingdom, this large landscape of kingdom building, there's a role for you in it. And no one else can fill that role. And God will say to you, you have to feel that. That is your responsibility. That is your call. And so my encouragement is, is just simply that. Uh, there's no insignificant gift here on what it is. Use it, maximize it. Every single day you wake up, you say, listen, Lord, how do you want, how do you want me to be used today? What is it that you want me to give? How can I add value to another man today using what you've given me? Hunter? Yeah, I've always drawn inspiration from what Paul said to Timothy when he encouraged him. He was talking to him, said, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the first part, he's saying, you have gifts, you possess gifts. And then in the second part of that, he said, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. And I just always drew inspiration from that first part. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, being a you know, relatively new believer, kind of a younger guy. Obviously, I was uncomfortable. I was a little timid. But to your point, you're called into that. If God gave you that, that's your responsibility. You owe that to the world. That's your calling on the world. So I just always drew inspiration from that and continue to do so. 
um, that God didn't call us to be timid, and that we all have the gift of God within us. Mm, that's good. Hey, thank you guys uh, for doing this this morning, and thank you guys for engaging these past four weeks. We've got uh, two table discussion questions we want you guys to close out with this morning, but before we turn that over to you guys, just want to wrap this up and share a couple things with you guys. Hopefully this is common sense, but if it's not, um, it's important for you to hear. One is um, we are all um, sinful men saved only by God's grace. So I know one of the tools the enemy loves to use is to use our past, even if our past has been recent, um, to, to make us think we're disqualified from God using us to serve others. And that's just a lie from hell. That's not truth. Um, none of us, <laughs> apart from Christ and his grace, um, are, are worthy to be part of this, but it's because he is. Um, that it's, it's us using our spiritual gift to serve others and to point towards Jesus' redemptive power, not look how awesome we are. So that's one thing. So that's, that's a truth. The second one is, is I love how Hunter, um, in fact, I have to remind myself sometimes, if I'm, I, I can forget that, that you've only been walking with the Lord for three years, part of that because you've grown intentionally so much, and I encourage you with that. But if you're like Hunter, uh, it's like, man, I haven't, I haven't even been walking with the Lord very long. And if you told me to turn to, you know, second hesitations, I'd probably ask what page that's on. Listen, um, nowhere in Scripture does it say, hey, you need to be a Christian and you need to sit there and learn and just soak it all in for five or ten years and then you can. No, that's not the message of the gospel. Um, if you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that apart from him we can bear no fruit, um, then, then you're ready to get in the game, get into the fight. And uh, we wanna help you as a men's ministry, as a men's staff, um, to help connect you, to, to equipping you, um, to sharpen your sword in that. But I, I wanna encourage all of us to, to, find, to find one way to serve others in the spirit of trying to make disciples, who make disciples whether that's with men or children this isn't just a message for men's ministry like i believe the role of men's ministry is to be a ephesians 4 equipping engine to equip men to lead the way um and unleashing the full force of the church that's all aspects of it on campus and off so uh, we're excited to help uh, connect you with your next step of faith as it relates to that and so it's it's time to start unleashing so let me let me pray, and then we'll turn it over to y'all's tables. God, thank you for this time together, and I pray for every man in here that we leave here encouraged, not full of, um, of guilt or false guilt, but instead that you would, um, you would remind every one of these men that you are for them and not against them. You're also for um, your kingdom expanding and, and, making this, and us making disciples, and so... Would you help us declutter our lives and our calendars with anything and everything that is competing with space um, for that, for our mission? And thank you for the freedom we have here in America to pursue you uh, with freedom. And so I pray that we would take advantage of that, not take it for granted. Thank you for this gift of time together. And we give you all the praise and glory for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.